0: Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Today's episode is sponsored by Worldwide Access Solutions Incorporated, a 24-7 clear advantage, a call center providing inbound and outbound services and a licensed life and health insurance agency. You can visit them at wasi.com. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset. This is your host, Sindra Kampoff, and I am absolutely thrilled today to provide you an interview with Ross Bernstein. Ross is the best-selling author of nearly 50 sports books, the first book he wrote when he was 18 years old. He's an award-winning Hall of Fame peak performance business keynote speaker. He has keynoted conferences for Fortune 500 companies on four continents. He's also been featured on CNN, ESPN, Fox News, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and USA Today. He has spent the better part of the past 20 years studying the DNA of championship teams. And his mission today is to help us think about what it's going to take for us to raise our games to the next level. Now, what I really love about this interview is he provides so many golden nuggets of wisdom throughout the interview. Two things that stood out to me the most was the importance of turning lemons into lemonade and how to actually do that, as well as the importance of being amazing at what you do and that the rest will follow. If you're anything like me, you're going to really enjoy this interview with Ross and the wisdom that he provides. So let's bring on Ross Bernstein. This is your host, Sandra Campoff, and I'm excited today to provide you an interview with Ross Bernstein, and I'm really excited to talk to Ross today, um, to talk to him more about himself as a high performer and a very successful speaker cr- all across the world, as well as what he sees as the difference between the mindset of successful business leaders and entrepreneurs and athletes. So, Ross, to start us off, tell us about your passion and what you do right now.
1: Well, first of all... Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of yours and congrats on all your success and I'm very humbled and honored to be a uh, participant in the Awesome Syndra podcast. So let me just start off by saying that.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Ross. That's so nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: my passion is similar to yours. I'm a sports nut. I've um you and I are both lucky. We figured out a way to way, way to make our careers doing what we love and what we're passionate about and I was always a huge sports nut and uh Somehow, some way, just stumbled into a career path where I get to work with really cool people, and and um, I have two businesses. I have a book business that I write sports books, and then I speak, and I speak at about a hundred conferences a year, mostly at Fortune five hundred organizations, big sales conferences, and annual events, and a lot of big associations. So um, I tie the two together, and I, I talk about the DNA of championship teams and how that relates to. To sales and leadership and customer service and, 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 and culture. So um, that's kind of what I do, I guess.
0: That sounds great. Sounds fun. Um, <laughs> tell us about what you mean, Ross, by the DNA of championship teams. How do you explain that?
1: Well, in my program, it's called The Champions Code, and it's based on two series of books that I've written. The first series is a book about how and why. Winning Teams Win and What Makes the Great Ones Great. Um, It was a series of books called Raising Stanley, Raising Lombardi, World Series Winners. It was about what it took to hoist that trophy. And I interviewed over a thousand professional athletes and coaches that all had one thing in common. They were all champions. And much like Jim Collins did in his iconic book, Good to Great, I was looking for the same sorts of trends and patterns and metrics that were common among these elite teams. And the results were, were fascinating. The other series that's tied into the – that's the Champions part of the Champions Code. The Code part is a series of books I wrote called The Code. And um there was one for hockey which is about why there's fighting in hockey. There's one for baseball about what leads to retaliation and there's a and and you know, players getting getting beaned. And then there's a football code. And basically there's codes in every sport and it's about these unspoken, unwritten rules and about the fine line between cheating and gamesmanship in sports and, and about crossing that line, whether it's taking steroids or sign stealing or deflate gate or any of these things, any of these sort of sneaky nefarious things that, that, that players teams do to try and gain an edge so the champions code it's about winning the right way so i talk a lot about ethics and integrity and accountability and values and about what being a champion means and about how everyone has a code kind of a mission statement what they do what they stand for how they play the game and how that translates to business whether you know you cheat in golf or do all these little things that we sort of judge people and how well we trust them so um it's, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, and I love it. So it's, 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 been a, it's been a fun ride.
0: Awesome. What's one thing that you really learned from 1,000 professional athletes and coaches? What's the most important thing that you learned from interviewing them?
1: That's a great question. I've learned so much and so much more than I think one question, but I, I think the big thing, what it really comes down to, and the thing that I really stress the most in my programs is authenticity and relationships. You know, There's a lot of cliché answers about hard work and discipline and so forth, but I think the better you're able to build relationships and de- build deeper, more quality relationships, the more success you're going to have whether you're uh, an athlete, whether you're a coach, whether you're in business as a CEO of a Fortune 100 company, or you're just climbing the ladder and trying to make your way. so. I really think authentic relationships and building relationships and just being a nice person. You know, getting I had a chance to meet some some great people, people like you know Kirby Puckett and Harmon Killebrew and Wayne Gretzky and so many amazing athletes and, and individuals. And you know, just there's certain ones where you go, man, that that guy he just gets it. He's just what a good guy. And those are the people that we like to connect with. Those are the people that people still talk about. You know, all these years later, and they're 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 kind of immortal. And I think those same life lessons kind of ring true in business. Is that that, and a big part of my program is I I believe that we like to do business with, or be influenced by, or listen to people who we like, who we trust, and who just get it. And that's really what what my program boils down to is about um, sharing examples and stories of from the sports world and how that relates to the business world. And and um, yeah, I just. Been having fun, fun doing it, and it's it's fun when I get to do neat stuff like this and be on really cool podcasts like yours where people want to talk shop. So, um, just having fun.
0: (laughs) That's what we're doing today, talk and shop. (laughs) So, Ross, tell us. You know, you get to go, go all over the country speaking to businesses and entrepreneurs and business leaders. Tell us the differences that you see. In teams that work really well on the business side versus those that don't, what do you see the difference? Like you, I'm at
1: a lot of different conferences and events, and you can tell pretty quick what a team's culture is. When you walk into a locker room, a press box, a dugout, Um, I've been a member of the media for the past 20 years in Minneapolis with the Minnesota Vikings and the Twins and the Wild and the Wolves and the Gophers, so I do spend a fair amount of time in, in locker rooms. You can tell culture, you can tell attitude, you can tell momentum pretty quickly, and you can also tell it in business. I'm at a lot of conferences where you walk in and you can tell pretty quickly what the vibe is. You know, I am I like to come in early. I like to stay late I, when I'm working with a client and I'll, if I can, come in the day before, maybe tour a factory, maybe just meet the C-suite, have dinner, do the dance, build a relationship. But you can tell pretty quick what's going on above and beyond, you know, a Google search of their stock index and, and anything that's happening to their uh, corporate landscape. And you can tell if people like each other. You, you know, there's a, there's an old saying. You know, people don't quit jobs; they quit bosses. So I talk a lot about leadership, and I, and I talk a lot about different coaching philosophies and styles, and how they connect and create buy-in, and how they're able to lead effectively. And uh, you know, sometimes you walk into a company, and they and they're going to say, "Hey, we just fired five thousand people. Go rally the troops," or other times they can say, "Hey, we've had you know twelve consecutive." growth quarters and how do we sustain this momentum and get even bigger and better and how do we keep doing this and and it's the same analogies for dynasty teams and in, in sports and if you're a, a Minnesota sports fan where we both live. You look at the 87 and 91 Minnesota Twins and you go, wow. And you look at the culture and you look at the, the locker room vibe and, and you look at the, the clubhouse leaders and the veterans and the rookies and how everyone came together and all their roles and, and the great management philosophies under Tom Kelly and how he would built that organization from rookie ball and Elizabethan to class A and double A AA and triple A and how he'd gotten those kids to come up to the ranks and got the right chemistry. And they they talked about how everyone – rode the boat together in the same direction and that was always a big commonality that you hear and, and there's there weren't clicks. You know, you, there's so much drama in baseball. When you walk into a dugout with blacks, whites, Jews, Muslims, Latinos, Dominicans, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Venezuelans, Koreans, Japanese, it's crazy in there. So you – you know, you get a four-game road trip in Toronto, Boston, New York, L.A., and you've got all this drama. You got guys that want this click wants to go out to dinner here, and this click they want to go, they want to talk this language. This click wants to go um, listen to this music. This this guy hates that guy. This guy's chasing that guy's girlfriend, and it's just constant drama. And you know, in baseball, there's a there's a shared vision. When when you suck in baseball, they fire everybody. There's no golden parachute for the dude at the top, so they're all in it together and and great managers will lean on these clubhouse guys like Harmon Killebrew or now with the Minnesota Twins Tory Hunter who just turned 40 and he's just he said you guys were too used to losing he had to come in and change the culture they have dance parties now after they win games and it's just hilarious seeing these gangly caucasians dancing in the locker room after games and but they've they've changed the culture and, and when you look at how great organizations do it from top to bottom and how they keep the cupboards full and they recruit good talent and because people are going to leave and they're going to get injured and things are going to happen, but they, they, they do little things consistently over and over and and they create a culture of winning it's, it becomes a habit as you know talking about it from a, a very very high level of, um from what, for what you do so i get to see it and and i get to to be a part of it in a in a very small scale and write about it and and kind of celebrate these things but it uh you definitely do see commonalities among winning teams, and, and it's true for every sport, going back all the way, you know, to the Yankees teams of the 1940s and 50s, where I interview people all the way up to today, whether it's NBA, NFL, NHL, um, MLB, whatever it is, and it, it's really fascinating. And when you see a team win it, um, it's it's amazing. It's it's magic, and um, when you see a dynasty team win three, four, five championships in a row, that's when you go, wow, there's something really special going on there.
0: So Ross, let's think about you as a high performer. You know, um, I think about your success in the public speaking realm. You uh, have the highest designation in the National Speakers Association, the Certified Speaking Professional. So tell Thank us, you. Um, you know, for you, what do you think has been one or two things that you've done as a high performer to, to have that the success that you've had
1: Mm, well thank you that's really nice you to say all that nice stuff
0: oh it it, it's really
1: a lot of little things it's um it's for me in my business it's it's meant staying focused it's meant building relationships and not getting too um sucked into things i don't want to do um distractions disguised as opportunities as they say um i was pitched to do a reality tv show on discovery channel um sounded really cool, but it really would have taken me off of my focus. It would have been a lot of travel. It would have been a lot of crazy drama. Um, so I said, no, um, I don't do social media. Um, I don't do a podcast like, like you do. I don't do a blog. Um, these are things I probably should do, but I don't because I'm not passionate about them. And if I'm not, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to suck at it. I'm not going to be very good at it. So I've just chosen to just Focus on picking up the phone and calling clients and developing leads and and building relationships and 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 having an amazing referral system, helping my fellow colleagues to get business and um, to just really follow the laws of karma and to help people, help them get on TV to help them because I'm doing a lot of that with my, all my books and stuff and I have relationships with, with TV producers at Good Morning America and the Today Show as well as the local affiliates and um, helping colleagues get gigs and get um, make better relationships and that's really – it's just – for me, it's kind of working smarter versus harder um, to, to use an old cliche and to really try and grow my business organically that way and just to really stay focused. Other than that, I don't know. I've I've been really lucky and uh I'm just I think it comes through. If you really love what you do, it you know, you can't you can't fake authenticity, I think. And so like you, I'm found a, a good niche that I I really enjoy and, and I'm just I'm just enjoying the ride.
0: Ross, I really like the distractions disguised as opportunities. <laughs> you know, I think all of us um experience that who are entrepreneurs in terms of looking for the next thing or, you know, making sure that we are following our passion and how they can easily be be distractions that really aren't opportunities for us. But the importance that you're talking about of following your passion, working smarter, not harder, and following one course until success. Um so Ross, tell us why you do what you do. You know, keeping your why front and center is really essential. So tell us why you do it.
1: I love it. I love um, I love speaking. I love the moment when I'm done speaking and um Sometimes there's a standing ovation and people run up and hand you their business card and they go, wow, you got to come talk to my company and we're having our conference in Hawaii or Australia and you go, wow, that's so cool. And that's the high for me. I, I love booking. I'm a sales guy at heart, at heart I think. I, I grew up in a fourth generation chain of family furniture stores in southern Minnesota and just learning those those simple life lessons from my great grandpa and my grandpa and my dad and my brothers and just about customer service and, and just making your customers happy and and trying to to do right by them and um i don't know that i'm just really lucky that i stumbled stumbled onto this i guess i I, people say like well how do you become a speaker it's like you know you don't find speaking speaking finds you you have to do something in life have successes you have to have massive failures before you can speak um Anyway, speak consistently. Anyways, anyone can get a gig. Any any professional athlete can get a gig, but to do you know fifty or a hundred at a very high level for a very high fee is um it's a bit it's a business and that's what I love is focusing on that and my books really feed my speaking business and vice versa. So it's it's really. Um, kept me focused on, on that. And, and, you know, life's about stages. And for me at this particular stage, um, I have a, a, a kid who's in eighth grade. So it's just about kind of, you know, seeing the world and embracing the lifestyle. I mean, I got to bring her to nine countries with me last year. And I thought at one point there might be a chance she was going to flunk the seventh grade, but, but, uh, <laughs> it, it's fun. And, and I, I've, I've just really embraced this lifestyle of seeing the world and we're going to China later this year. And, um, it's just, Um, I'm kind of all in right now because I don't know how many years I've got left where, you know, my kid can't come. She's got traveling soccer and cross country and theater and friends and Instagram. And how many more years is she going to be able to do these things with me? And so, I mean, I work with CEOs all over the world that make crap loads of money and are miserable. They're spending it all on therapy for their kids because they're gone all the time. So I'm just all about enjoying the experience as much as I can with my family. And and there are weeks when I'm traveling and I'm on the road, but there's lots of other times when I get to bring them with me and I I thoroughly enjoy it. And I love being a dad and I love being able to go to all the soccer games I can and all the cross country meets I can and just to be present because it is a grind and you're on the road, but I do get to home office. So I love that and you know that's just the biggest thing whatever you do in life you really have to just stop and smell the roses a little bit in amidst this chaos and really ask yourself why are you doing this and um is it for the right reasons and are you really you know taking care of the people who matter most in your life and and that you know it's 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 a traveling a lot is, is difficult as you know I you you you're on the road doing it too but um, I think if you can find that balance and do the right things, it, it really makes a difference. And, and for me, I'm lucky; I get to see the world.
0: You know, you mentioned you can't become a speaker unless you failed, and that you have some life experiences. So, tell us about a time <laughs> that you failed, what you learned from it, and how it could help the listeners learn something about themselves.
1: Well, I fail all the time. I'm really good at failing. Um, but you know, you you fail your way to the top. You take risks, you fail. You're going to have successes. If you read the bio of every Fortune 500 CEO, you'll read failure, 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 success. You just got to perform the autopsy. It's what you learn. You know, my biggest failure is my is part of my my signature story. And, and as speakers, we all have a signature story, and mine is is unique. And I'll share it briefly because it's about my biggest failure. But I I grew up in 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 uh, in Fairmont, Minnesota, a little town in six miles from the Iowa border, and I was a huge sports fan and. And, uh, I wasn't that good at sports, but I got, I got sucked into watching hockey as a 10 year old kid when I watched the Miracle on Ice in 1980. And it was amazing. And, and I fell in love with Herb Brooks, my hero. And, and, and uh, I later met him, uh, that year at his hockey camp. I begged my parents to, to let me play hockey and, um, as I say, you know, Southern Minnesota. This is not hockey country. It's not like Northern Minnesota, where they they're pulling them out of the wombs by their skate blades. This is this is wrestling and basketball territory. But I begged them to let me play, and they let me in play. And I went to Herbie's hockey camp, and I won the most improved award, which goes to the guy who sucks the most, and that was me. And uh, um, I, we, Herbie and I became friends. And uh, years later, I. I went to University of Minnesota and I wound up uh, walking onto the Gopher hockey team. I, I was a crazy leap of faith, but I had become friends with a bunch of Gopher hockey players, and uh, they had encouraged me to do so. And I had a cup of coffee, and and um, it didn't it didn't last long. I, I wound up getting cut from the team, but. Uh, um, Afterwards, Coach Woog told me that there was another job opening on the team, and and as I like to say, it wasn't quite as sexy as as All-American defensemen, my first choice, but it was close. It was the team mascot, Goldie the Gopher, and uh, I wound up making lemonade at a lemons and became a giant smelly rodent and had a ball. Um, I got in a lot of trouble so much trouble that as a senior a publisher approached me and asked to write a book about all the trouble i had gotten into uh apparently it's not appropriate to throw craft cheese singles at the wisconsin band who knew and um i I was i said well i'm flattered but i don't know who's going to want to read your book but begged my mom and dad to let me use my graduate school money they had saved for me to to write and publish a book and i had two older brothers who had gone on to get their ivy league mbas and this is what they wanted me to do and i wanted to write a book and and i remember my dad um swearing a lot and just finally saying, fine, you can have your money, but don't come crawling back to me when it's all gone. And I said, great. And I dove in and I started writing this book as a senior in college. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to do it and I was really passionate and it wasn't going to fail. One of the first phone calls I got out of the blue is from Herb Brooks, who was coaching the New Jersey Devils in the National Hockey League. And he heard about my book and he said, hey, uh, I've seen you as Goldie. You made me laugh. Let's get together. I want to help you with your book because I want to grow hockey. And we became connected, and um, years later, um, he asked me to write his biography, which was a huge honor, and we were about a year into it, and I was actually golfing with Herb the morning of August 11, 2003, the morning Herb was killed in a car accident. It's kind of where you were when Kennedy got shot if you're a hockey fan, but Herb had a speaking engagement in Chicago that day, and he had to leave our charity tournament early, and... and, uh, uh, I was devastated, and uh, I, I, he had just inspired me so much, I decided to uh, write a book about him called Remembering Herbie, and then I helped to create the Herb Brooks Foundation with his family, and today I'm the president of the organization, and I donate proceeds from all my books and speeches to the foundation to grow hockey, and I've written a couple books about Herbie now and, and uh, try to keep his legacy alive, and he always loved the fact that I made lemonade of lemons. I was, even though I wasn't good enough to play gopher hockey, I still wanted to do my part so, the charity today, we, the women's Olympic team trains at our dryland training facility. We've raised millions to get inner city kids playing hockey and disadvantaged kids with autism and Down syndrome and sled hockey. So, uh, philanthropy is a big part of my business and I'm involved in a lot of different charities. All the books I write, we always create charitable foundations because I'm a big believer that people don't want to be sold, but they love to buy and they love to buy from causes that they believe in. So, that's been a big thing. So my biggest failure of not making the gopher hockey team turned into be my biggest success. And I wrote my first book as a senior in college called Gopher Hockey by the Hockey Gopher. It became a cult bestseller, and and 50 books later, I've somehow made it as a complete poser. So it's it's like I say, it's not what happens to you. It's how you choose to react to it that matters. My first choice would have been hoisting the Stanley Cup, but uh, as I talked to you today, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow to go speak to the Colorado Avalanche at their team retreat. So even though I'm not good enough to play, here I am, dumb luck. I still get to hang out with teams and uh uh, they're going to let me practice with the team and I get to hang out with these guys for a whole day and all these amazing athletes. So uh, crazy stuff, but who'd have thunk?
0: You know, I think, Ross, what I really got from that story is, you know, at the time that you didn't make the, the Gophers hockey squad, you know, I think that can be disappointing, but it was part of your journey and you wouldn't have gotten where you are today without that opportunity, without being the Gopher. That's right. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that with us. Ross, one of the things that we believe here uh, at the High Performance Mindset, that if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. And so what what that really means is that you should have big dreams. And if you just dream small, that you know you won't be pushing yourself. Do you have a, a big dream that might seem a little scary or anxiety-provoking? Oh,
1: big, hairy dreams, like Jim, Collum, Jim Collins calls them in, in uh, Good for exactly. Great. Big, hairy, audacious dreams. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I I, I definitely – have dreams I'm kind of I mean I'm kind of living it in some regard that I'm doing what I want to do and at this stage I guess but you know I, I think um, uh, there's a, there's a speaker friend of mine whose names Mark Sharonbrock he's an amazing speaker Hall of Famer and awesome and I remember meeting him a long time ago and meeting his amazing lovely wife Susan and seeing their life um, she travels with them to all their speeches they just travel the world together that's all they do their kids are all grown. And I remember meeting him, and I telling my wife I said that's my dream um i want to do I want to be Mark Sharon Brock when I grow up, and um, I'm on that path to where we we that's that's what we're gonna be able to do just travel the world speaking and writing books, and just who knows where we're gonna wake up just you know we'll, we'll be in Vietnam and New Zealand and China, and who knows so um you, you work hard to get to that point I guess and then it's like okay what do you want to be when you grow up and I still haven't found out I'm still a big smelly rodent at, at heart I guess but uh I don't know that's sort of a sort of a, a dream I guess and um I don't know i don't know how about you let me ask you what's your what what are you dreaming of
0: oh man I'm dreaming about uh you know I really love football so I'm dreaming about being the kind of the go-to person in sports psychology in the NFL. That would be my big dream because I love the energy of the game and I love helping athletes. That's cool. So that's my big dream. You're a
1: giver. Uh, you're a giver and you're a really giving person and you're super smart and it's exciting to see your momentum as you started out in the speaking business and every, all the success you've had academically in running your business but now getting into the speaker world, there's no question you're going to be – doing amazing things. You already are. I'm so proud of you. It's so exciting and awesome to see your success and you're an amazing speaker and I couldn't be happier for you.
0: Ross, you're making me feel so good. (laughs) I can see how people love to hear you speak. Um, And so, you know, one of the things I really liked about you, the story that you provided is you saw Mark Sharon Brock, and you just said, you know, you saw him as a role model. And I I talked a few last week on the podcast about how we can get stuck in this comparison trap where we can compare ourselves to other speakers or other athletes, you know, other people that maybe have a little bit more success than us. Um, But we tend to do it in a negative way. But what I heard you just say was, that you know you saw Mark and you thought, "Wow, you know, that's kind of my dream life, and it, he's more of a role model, um, and you're comparing yourself in a positive way is just something that you can go after yeah. so that, I thought that was pretty cool thank you um so ross, uh which of the top ten traits of high performers do you think that you most exhibit
1: Well, I was looking at your your patterns and i'm I'm torn I, I like number one, they're gritty because um, I'm all about scrappy and gritty, and and I think companies that achieve success, it's just an all-hands-on-deck mentality, where they are just they just get stuff done. They just work with the Red Wings. It's an amazing organization. They have the longest winning streak in professional sports in North America right now, 25 consecutive seasons they've made the playoffs. And oh, by the way, doing so in a city that filed bankruptcy, playing in the worst, oldest, crappiest, lowest-revenue-producing arena, the Joe, the Red Wings, with 100% turnover multiple times find ways to win. And they do it by being gritty. And Chris Chelios was a guy who retired at the age of 48. They just couldn't get rid of him. He just epitomized gritty. He, he, he would mentor the kids on the road and show them how to get, you know, tell them you had to get enough sleep and, and to sign your autographs the right way and slow down and to um, eat right. And because they're going to let their teammates down if they don't, they got to take care of their bodies and to not do stupid stuff on social media The people that are watching all the time everyone's paparazzi and he would literally he was playing next to kids younger than his own kids but he would he would do the dirty work he he'd, he'd get you know two minutes a night and he'd, he'd be an energy guy an agitator disruptor he'd go out there and 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 he'd fight guys and block shots and do this stuff no one wanted to do kill penalties but they couldn't get rid of him and that's the thing and in, in life and in business it's just how bad do you want it you know how bad do you want that big hairy dream and uh the people that are really willing to work for it and go for it and just say just not accept no for an answer they're the ones who succeed and uh there's no off season for those guys they just do it and it's it's a privilege you and i have that we get to hang around these people it's like the fountain of youth you know hanging around professional athletes because that because their passion is sports and they'll do it ever it takes this is their drug they're addicted and you cannot tell them no they will do anything so i i think greedy is the one that it sticks with me. The other one I was torn between was how they dominate the moment because I'm a big fan of of seeing how big players play their biggest on the biggest stage, and uh, they really rise to the occasion when it matters most. And you do see that that big players want the ball with the game on the line, and they they're the ones with ice water in their veins. So I they're all great. I, I love your 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 high performer top ten. It's very cool and um, very honored to be a small part of uh, of uh, answering one of your questions. So very cool, very cool stuff.
0: Ross, which one do you think um, could be something you could still work on in terms of the top 10 list?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I can work on all of them. You know, I I think that probably having a clear purpose to my work is probably something I struggle with because I do get opportunities that come up all the time. Um, One of the new ones is an LMS, a learning management system, which is a new thing speakers have, where it's an online learning platform where you're delivering your content and companies by them as a digital platform and this is sort of the new all the rage thing and i vowed i wasn't going to do this because it was a distraction and now uh one of the biggest restaurant chains in the world just said we need you to develop more content for us that we can deliver to all our managers who can't be here and so now i'm torn do i go do this and do i dive dive into this and go down that path which i said i'm not going to do but it's hard, you know, it's a huge opportunity. So, you know, you, you weigh your options and you go, well, um, so I, I think, you know, having a clear purpose is going to help me and you know what, you take risks, you win some, you lose some, you're in a position where you can, you can fail. Okay. But, um, I don't know, there's a lot of them. I think I can work on all of them. That's one thing I've learned a long time ago is that I'm, I am a work in progress and, and, uh, I just need to keep working, working, working.
0: You know, and I think we all are a work in progress, Well, you know, there are things that I I do really well at every single day. One of those is grit. I'm very gritty and I work really hard at going after my dreams and my goals. But, you know, there are some that some days I'm just not as strong on. So what I like about that, Ross, is you're you're being honest and um, forthcoming about, you know, that. You're not perfect, which nobody is. So um, Ross, let's go to the speed round. So if you could think of the the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you this question. So if there is a book or a person to follow or maybe a podcast that you listen to that you'd recommend our audience to check out, what would that be?
1: There's a, there's a lot of people. You know, one of my best friends is Sam Richter, uh, okay. S-A-M-R-I-C-H-T-E-R.com. He's amazing. He talks about technology and He's just real and and super authentic. I love his stuff. He wrote a book called "Take the Cold Out of Cold Calling." He's all about using, you know, using the internet and technology to build warmer relationships. That when you do talk to someone, you know so much about them, and that the conversation can can be about them and not you. Even this conversation is weird for me because I don't like talking about me. I want to rather talk about you. But um, he's real good at getting people to think about the other person and, and and that's how you do business developing relationships is to really think about that. So um Sam Richter would be the guy I'd recommend.
0: Makes sense to me given what you said at the beginning about how you see that the champion's code is really to build deep relationships and to be a good person. I think that resonates with what you're what you're talking about, Ross. Um what is one word that people describe you as?
1: Well, the one word I I do get a lot that I'm very honored to get is passion. I know it's cliche, but I am very dynamic uh, or very animated on stage. Uh, when I present, I'm sweating profusely, and I'm—it's a performance. And I always say, if you know, if you're not sweating after a sales call or, or whatever it is, then maybe you're not working that hard. So I am super passionate about what I do. Um, I give birth to my books. I love them. I love giving them away, and I love talking about them at conferences as a way to help people to grow their businesses so that they have more money and more time to spend with the people that they love or golfing or hunting or fishing or spending time with their family or watching Gilligan's Island reruns. I don't care, but it's all about getting people to be better, and I'm really passionate about that.
0: Which one of your books is your favorite one?
1: (laughs) It's like which of your kids do you love the most? Um, (laughs) The one that has probably brought the most – success is a is a book called The the Code. It's about fighting and hockey, and we've turned that into a few movies. Um, most recently, a, a project with Alex Gibney, who won an Academy Award. Um, I'm only in the movie, movie for like four minutes, so if you watch it, don't blink. It's called The Last Gladiators, but it was inspired by the book. That was really cool to kind of have something like that happen and and uh so i'm i'm very excited about that and um that one's fun and also my book america's coach about her brooks and the miracle on ice because uh it's just such a very deep emotional topic for me and and uh, it's for such a great cause and i'm very honored to keep his legacy alive and to keep the charity going in his name
0: and what's the best piece of advice you've ever received
1: oh wow you know, in the speaking business, and I think it really applies to any business, when I was a newbie and I was just starting out, I was at our National Speakers Association annual conference where there's thousands of speakers in a room. It's a giant freak show, as you can imagine, and um, there was this woman there who ran a very big speaker bureau, and she was a whale in the industry, and I remember just getting up the nerve to go talk to her and give her my business card, and, and as everyone else was trying to do, and, and I walked up and blurted out my hi i'm ross and you know i'd love to meet you and get on your radar and and she just kind of looked at me and she smiled and she said she kind of just took my card and kind of handed it back and she said look just be really amazing at what you do and we'll hear about you and when we do we'll be in touch and it was very humbling um it was like whoa and uh last year she called me and we did some business together. It was kind of a cool moment for me. I'm sure she didn't remember me from from that moment, but it was cool for me because I remembered it and that sort of said, "Okay, I better be awesome so I can someday take your money and work with you." And and uh it happened. So that felt kind of good. But yeah, just you know what? Just be great at what you do and and people will hear about you. Word of mouth, referral, all that kind of stuff. That that's what makes the world go round. All this social media stuff, I mean, yeah, it's okay, but it's about referral business. It's about people liking you. It's about people recommending you. It's about people hearing about you in positive ways on social media if there if there is such a thing and um so I'm just all about that. And I I don't try and force feed anything else. For me it's just relationships and and doing the right thing and working hard and if that happens good things happen.
0: And Ross, what about a success quote? Do you have one that really seems to resonate with you? Well,
1: I do have a really good one. Um It's from my hero, Herb Brooks, and I asked him three weeks before he died how he'd want his tombstone to read, and he said the name on the front of the jersey is always more important than the one on the back, and uh, Herb died during the making of the movie Miracle, and um, the producer from Disney came to me. You had and asked me for a lot of the stuff and information that I could share with them and it was cool. That quote made it into the movie from Herbie. So that was uh that's a great one and it really rings true today. It's just, you know, Herbie was just all about the team and um there was no I or me. It was just always about we and us. So uh as a team expert, PhD, I know you you talk about those things as well, but uh that would probably be the one that uh resonates most for me.
0: Ross, I got so many things out of this interview <laughs> that I wrote down. You should see my sheet here. Um, I think the most important thing that you told me was just being amazing at what you do and then people will find you. And this could be, you know, for athletes, for coaches, for entrepreneurs, business leaders who want to make the next step is just being amazing at what you do. And that's what's most important. I also heard from you the importance of having deep relationships and being a kind person um, and then the rest will take care of itself. And I heard distractions can be disguised as opportunities and making sure you follow one path and follow your passion. So two questions I have left for us, what advice do you have for those high performers who are listening? Any other pieces of advice you can give us?
1: Well, I work with a lot of top producers, especially in financial services. I work with a lot of big banks and financial advisors and uh, um, just worked with 10,000 life insurance salesmen, top producers. and they do have similar DNA, and for them, I, I think it's just the same kind of stuff we've been talking about. It's just a routine. It's picking up the phone. It's smiling and dialing, and there's no shortcut. You know, there's no there's no uh, elevator to the top. You, you take the stairs and you work hard and you build relationships and hopefully a lot of them are strategic. And you give. Um, you can't get until you give. This whole karma thing, like I would never dream of asking someone for something unless I gave first. And for me, my currency, as I call it, are my sports books. The first big puppy wet kiss from me. It's not my brochure or, or hey, can I buy you a coffee? It's here's a bunch of my sports books because I know you're a huge football fan or something to something that's of value. Hey, can I help you? I know you're writing a book and I know all the big publishers. I've self-published. Can I help you with that? Um, that's currency for me. Hey, I know you wrote a book and I know you'd probably love to get some media time. Could I introduce you to the producer at the CBS this morning? I, you know, I just was on and um, made a relationship. So, Don't ask until you give. I don't like when people just take. People like to do business and be around giving people, and that's why you're magnetic syndrome because you're a giver, and certain people are and they aren't. I don't think you can teach it. You either have it in your DNA or you don't. It's not about you. It's about them, and if that happens, other people will help you. If they don't, then don't help them. It's a dead end.
0: And Ross, I know your website is rossbernstein.com, and they can find you there and your contact information there. One of the things I really liked on your website was watching your speaker highlight film, or your your reel, and I literally watched the whole thing. I was (laughs) so engaged. (laughs) So if people want to check out your speaking, they can go there, and you have a a website for your books, rossbernsteinbooks.com. Is there anything else you'd recommend us uh, and a way to follow you?
1: Yeah, I mean, my main stuff, it's BernsteinBooks.com for books and RossBernstein.com for speaking and an honor for me to be on it with you today. So I'm a huge fan of yours. Congratulations to you on your success. You're a rising superstar in the speaking world, and um, I'm very proud to be your friend. So thank you very much for having me on the
0: Thank you so much, Ross. I really appreciate the time and the wisdom and the insight that you provided all the listeners, and uh, I wish you the best in your business. If anybody would like to hire a motivational or inspirational speaker, (laughs) Ross is the man. So check it out, rossbernstein.com. Thank you so much, Ross. Thanks, cheers. Thank you for listening to high performance mindset. Are you signed up for Sindra's weekly email with free mental tools and strategies for high performance? Why the heck not? Text Mentally Strong, all one word, to 22828 or visit syndracampoff.com.